Welcome to the Fairview Church Podcast. At Fairview Church, we are dedicated to reaching our neighbors with the true freedom found in full surrender to Christ. To find out more about our church, including service times, location, and current sermon series, please visit us online at www.myfairview.org. Continuing through a sermon series that we began uh, last week by looking at our vision as a church for 2022. So our overall mission uh, statement at Fairview Church is reaching our neighbors with the true freedom found in full surrender to Christ. So everything that we do is joined up in that focus. And yet each year we consider all of our uh, vision statement and what it is that God would have us focus on specifically. Well, part of what it means to live a life of true freedom and full surrender to Christ is to live a life with impact. And so our focus this year deals with what does it mean to live a life with impact? Uh, and specifically, a life with impact deals with with serving and giving and, and being an expression of the impact that God wants to make in the context in which you are living and serving. And so our specific vision for 2022 is to spend 22,000 hours as a church family this year serving in our spheres of impact. Uh, and we have some jars in the back. So if you'll look in the back to my right corner of the room, you'll see those jars that are there. And there are these little baskets with marbles right next to those jars. And here's what we're asking is let's say that you serve in our community, you serve in our church, you serve in your home, which we'll talk about more. Uh, We're going to ask you to take a marble and drop it in whatever jar uh, is appropriate. Now, our goal is not simply to have 22,000 marbles by the end of the year. Now that is wonderful and that is a measure of how well we've done. But ultimately our goal is to see the people who are part of the family of Fairview Church become servants. That we would represent our identity in Christ as those who are servants in our spheres of impact. And so that's the goal, right? That's very simply the goal. The byproduct of that and what we do want to measure because it's what we can is how many hours this year we spend in these particular spheres of impact. So our spheres of impact are our home, our community, and our church. And everybody who is part of Fairview Church has access to all three of these spheres. You have a home, and there are some level of people in and around your home. You have the larger community around us, and then our church family here And there are ways to serve and make an impact in all three of those. And so that is our focus for the year. This morning, we are going to dive in for two weeks to a focus on the home sphere. So what does it mean to be a servant in the sphere of our homes? And that's what we're going to look at. And so if you would stand with me, we're going to read this morning from Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse Three, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Adopt the same attitude 
as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come now, that you would take these words that you've given us in the scriptures, that you would, by your power, plant them into our hearts and into our lives in the specific ways in which they're applicable and that you want to work. And we pray that they would, in fact, bear fruit through us into our lives and into the people around us all that we might bring glory to Jesus, our King. It's in his name we pray. Amen. So in considering this, and and I'm going to apologize because I'm going to have to jump backwards for our folks that are back there. So if we, is it possible to go backwards? Perfect. I just wanted to see if they could, could do it. This is a picture I drew two weeks ago, but I think it's important to consider, and I don't know if you guys can, can you see, well, can you see this generally? Okay. Well, I'll just pick it up and move it around. Um, so, so we think about this vision and we think about what it means to serve in these spheres of impact. And some of us may feel like, man, this is just something else to add to my life. I already have all these crazy things that are going on. And now you're asking me to come do something else, right? That's just overwhelming. And, and I want to begin by clarifying that we are hopefully not asking you to add a lot to your lives but to add intentionality to your lives, that you would consider how you can move into these spheres of impact where you already are with intentionality to express uh, the Christ-like servant-heartedness that we're called to. So that is the first element. The second is some of you guys may be like, man, like I just don't know if I have the energy. I don't know if I can muster this up. And, And that's where I want to clarify that's that's not something that we are asking you to do in and of yourself. This is something that is part of a larger way of life that we have been looking at. And I have drawn this as we we began looking at the common rule and talking about our lives as vines. And this is something that we do find in the scriptures. And so when we think about a vine, the components that make a vine grow and be healthy are three. First, you have soil, There's dirt and whatever minerals are here. And then you have the sun, because every plant grows towards the sun, but also is receiving the light of the sun. And uh, what I have referred to as the structure, right, which is the trellis. So this is is based in, in three passages of Scripture. First, the soil 
is Ephesians 3, 16 through 19, which I think we have here grounded in, we're grounded in the soil. And he says, I pray that you being rooted and firmly established in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints, what is the length and width, height and depth of God's love and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And so what is it that we are to be rooted and grounded in? The love of God, and particularly the love of God in Christ. And that love, he says, is beyond anything that you can ever comprehend. You, you cannot exhaust that love. And so we are given this access, if you will, to the love of God that we are to be rooted and grounded in in every area of our lives. We are growing towards the sun. And so this is, this is uh, I guess the second one is guided by that we have there isn't it? Uh, or no, growing towards, thank you. Uh, growing towards the sun. And this is, we'll put Ephesians, and I believe this is 4, 15. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. So in this example, what is the sun? What is it that we are growing towards? Christ, right? The sun, S-O-N. And, and that is to be the focus of our affections. That's the focus of our ambitions is to grow into Christ's likeness. And, and that, is, that is what is uh, in many ways directing our lives. Now, the aspect that we're really talking about when we're talking about things like spiritual disciplines and even service, which we're gonna talk about today, these are part of this structure, what we are guided by. And Someone suggested to me that this would be a good way of displaying this. This is the trellis, by the way, when it comes to growing a vine. And I think they're right. (laughs) That in many ways, now that doesn't look like a trellis, but hopefully you've seen the trellis concept so you can connect these dots. Because ultimately, and, and this is in Galatians 3, we see this call to die to our flesh. There we go. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And so there's a death to our, our passions, our desires, and we live by the Spirit. And, and so the hope is that these disciplines and these things that we do are participating in the grace of God, which is allowing us to die to our sinfulness and our flesh and to grow in living by the Spirit. Does that make sense? All right, we'll make this a trellis still. So, but the, but the cross is in the middle of it. So, so these elements are all, are all aspects that are essential for us. And, and this is what allows us to, to begin to grow up towards the sun. And, and so we think about marriage and we think about serving in marriage and, and we have to approach it from, from this framework, that, that it is an aspect that serving our spouse, just think about this, serving our spouse is an aspect of this trellis. It's an aspect of this structure that grows us ultimately into the goal of Christ-likeness. Now, in church history, marriage was actually a sacrament. <laughs> and, and that's kind of funny to think about, but it was the purpose of marriage was just like all of these other sacraments, which was to grow in holiness, Right to grow in Christ likeness. That's not exactly what the Valentine's message is today, 
but that was, uh, again, and I think that very much reflects the biblical call. Can you guys even see this at all? Okay, perfect. There we go. All right. So we think about our focus in marriage based on this framework. And, and I want to consider first that our focus in marriage is to serve our spouse, to serve our spouse. This afternoon we have the commercial or we have the Super Bowl. I gave away where I was going. And the Super Bowl, some of you all are football fans. How many of you guys are, are football fans and, and you're going to watch for the game, right? How many of you all are, are just like, you don't know who's in the game? All right, there we go. Good number. And, and a lot of you watch the Super Bowl for what? The commercials, thank you. And the commercials are part of this framework of our culture. And when we were going through the book of Ephesians, I talked about the social imaginary and how our view of ourselves, our social relationships, and really this network we're part of is guided by a story. And that specific story, I said, is, is the story of a consumer. And so what we see as, in many ways, the goals of our lives is to have enough income so that we can purchase the things we want to purchase and experience the things that we want to experience. And the commercials will tell you that if you buy whatever the product is that is being advertised, that you will be what? Happy, right? And everybody wants to be happy. And so we want to purchase whatever the, the product is that is being sold. And, and this is where, how many of you all are bargain hunters? Yeah. Okay. And so what, if you're a bargain hunter, what do you not want to get? Ripped off. Yes. Thank you. Right. How many people hate to get ripped off? You hate to feel like you got ripped off. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, we have this money and we want to spend it on. And, and so we hate to think that we wasted it somehow or someone took advantage of us. And so what I want to suggest is that in many ways we take this consumer story and this way of kind of seeing the world and we apply it not just to products, but to people that we see ourselves as consumers and we see people as things that exist to really give us a good return on our investment, right? That we... We don't want to get ripped off at the altar <laughs> right? when it comes to marriage. We, we, we very much can see our spouse as, as, as kind of a, a product at some level that, that exists to make us happy, kind of our self-gratification. And, and we don't want to feel like we got the wrong end of the deal. And so because of this, we can be evaluating. So we can, we, can, we can be considering if we're getting ripped off or not, right? And, and this isn't just a one-time, this is kind of an ongoing thing. So, so this mentality, we, we want to make sure that we're not getting ripped off when it comes to our spouse or, or, or broadly the people in our lives. And, and this is where the words of Paul come in so sharply when he says to do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. Now, what is, what are selfish ambition and conceit? What, what are those? They're motives, right? These are ways that we are motivated to do whatever it is that we're doing. So there's any number of things that we can do, but the question is, what is motivating that? And selfish ambition and conceit 
Basically, it's a self-focused motive. And Paul says you should do nothing out of that. Instead, everyone should look not to his own interest, but rather to the interest of others. And, and this is very much wrapped up in selflessness. So I'm not looking to my interest. I'm not constantly going, okay, am I getting a good deal out of this? Or is my spouse getting the better end of the deal out of this? I'm, I'm not looking at the world from that framework. Instead, I'm looking from the interest of, of others. Adopt the same attitude as that of, of Christ Jesus. And we're going to jump a little bit because what is it that is the attitude of Christ Jesus? Who, assuming the form of a servant... Right, so if we're to have the attitude, the mindset of Christ, what is that going to look like? Well, it's going to look like the mindset of, of a servant. And, and this is where our, our tendency, because we live in a culture where the customer is what? Customer's always right. The customer's king, right? The customer's king. So we are used to being the kings and the queens in these contexts. And, and so it's a massive shift to go from, from this kind of royal role to this concept of, of a servant along those lines. And yet, when we think about the kingdom that we're part of, because we have, the point, the point is we're not kings because we have a king. And he is a king who came not to be served, but to serve. And so what defines our participation in this kingdom is we have that same mentality. We come into a room. We walk into a room. We walk into a space. We walk into a relationship, not from the perspective of being served, but serving, right? And there is a way in which that is, is reflective of what kingdom we're part of. And so Christ's likeness, here, here's what I want to say, is focused not on self-gratification, but self-giving. So this mentality that we're called to Adopt in Christ is one not of self-gratification, but self-giving. And the question is, does this mean that we're asking you to be miserable? Right? Uh, Jesus said it's more blessed to what? To give than to receive. And, and if there is any truth in that statement, which I think, I think there is, then... That would mean that the blessing is, is not found in the receiving. By the way, I don't know that I'm, I'm working with my kids. I don't know that they're quite at that, that point. But, but there is this, this blessing that comes from, from giving that is actually superior to that of, of receiving. And so when we think about the Super Bowl, I'm going to try to stay at lo- along those lines because that's something our minds are already on. At, at the end of the game, between the Bengals and the Rams, for those of you who didn't know, what does it come down to? The scoreboard, right? And in many ways, what I'm suggesting is, in your marriage, what it really comes down to is the scoreboard. How is it that you keep score? Because there's one way of keeping score that is evaluating, am I getting the better end of the deal or is my spouse? Right? That's one way of kind of keeping score. And I'm going to suggest that that is actually not a helpful way of keeping score for you in your own mind uh, or, or your spouse or the people around you. There's another scoreboard which is, which is asking, how, how can I serve my spouse? And, and that's along this vision for the year 
we're asking you to consider that. So when you're looking at the home sphere, how can I serve my spouse? And these could be small things, you know, making the bed or whatever it is, making that call to the insurance company or, you know, whatever those things are, those small things, or it could be significant things that you really plan out. But we're asking you to, to maintain that focus and you don't do it for this, but we'd love to either hear that story or have you go put a marble in the home sphere, right? We're, we're, we're trying to encourage us to think about how we can consistently in, in random and routine ways serve our spouse. Secondly, serve God with your spouse. In, in verse eight, Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient. Who, who was he obedient to? Right, the father, and before Jesus came to serve people or to save people, he came to what? Serve who? His father. So there was this mission that Jesus was given to come. And when you look at the, the preaching of Jesus, he, he actually doesn't focus on the things that we emphasize the most of just forgiveness of sins or going to heaven when you die, what Jesus is talking about is bringing the kingdom of God to earth and making the kingdom of God available and accessible to everyone. And, and that was the mission that the father gave him. And so when we consider our marriage, our relationships, I'm going to say, and we even see this in Genesis, that the mission which God gave humanity um, to, to, to rule and to subdue and to create order and to, to bring God's glory and blessing all across the earth. All of that was a mission that came before the marriage. The mission came before the marriage, right? And, and I want to suggest to you that that's still the case, that, that God's desire to join up in this mission of, of his kingdom comes before the focus on, on our marriage or our, our relationship because your marriage is not strong enough to handle the weight of both of your expectations, right? Your spouse cannot complete you. <laughs> and if you are in this kind of place, if we just want to stare into each other's eyes, there, there's, a, there's a time when that kind of runs out. Right, And that's where you get up and you, you go and you do something. And this is where God is inviting the marriage to participate in the mission. right? Because God says there's a man and a woman and, and there's these different gifts. There's these different ways that they can help one another. That they're better together for this mission than they are apart. And, and that complementary element, that opportunity to, to partner together in this larger purpose is what God has called us to. Last week, we looked at Matthew six thirty three, but seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first. So before anything else, what are you seeking? The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. So, so we're seeking the kingdom of God first. And I gave the first part of Dallas Willard's definition of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is what God is doing he says, find out what God is doing and do that with him. Here's the second part that might prove somewhat helpful. He says, now, how do you find out what God is doing? Look at Jesus Christ. Listen to what he says. What he did. There's two what's there. My fault. What he did. That's what God is doing. So what, what, 
was. <laughs> what? What? Uh, God doing in Christ. And that is the definition for us of what God is still doing, right? Through us, the body of, of Christ. And so this is where you think about the Super Bowl again. There are these group of individuals who are very different. And yet, what is it that unites them together? What do they want to do? Right? They want the, they want the trophy, right? They, they want to walk out of there with... with the glory, if you will. And, and so there is this unity. And if you've been on a team, you know, you know kind of how that unites you. And I think when you and your spouse are united together for these larger purpose of your home, the sphere of your home becoming an, an outpost of the kingdom of God, expressing his blessing to the people who enter there and the children, if they're there, who are, who are part of that. Then, then you will be united together by this purpose that's larger than either one of you. And I think that's, that's where this unity really comes in. Third and finally, we serve with God for our spouse. So Jesus humbled himself, we've seen through Paul's passage, and he took on this form of humanity the infinite God uh, becoming this finite human being. And then beyond that, he humbled himself ultimately how? Right? By going to the cross, by bearing the full weight of our sins and dying in our place. And he died the most agonizing, shameful, humiliating death that was possible on, on top again of, of bearing the weight of our sin. And, and so into... This death we find in verse 8. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. So Jesus took upon himself this call to humble himself, to become a man, to die on a cross. And that was this perfect expression of God's love. The love of God was ultimately displayed through the cross. And I've said this, the highest possible power going to the lowest possible point so that the least in the world could become the greatest in the kingdom. This, this humiliating and self-giving, I mean, unimaginable love of God displayed through the cross was in turn rewarded or or responded to by the love of the father raising him up and vindicating him in his resurrection and ultimately exalting him as who the king of the universe (laughs) the name above every name and and there is a way in which in the same way well not in the same way but similarly god desires to display his love through our lives. God desires, we, we are part of the body of Christ. And, and I want to suggest that when you think about your marriage, your opportunity is to be an expression of the love of God in Christ to your spouse. You get the opportunity to be an embodiment of God's love 
displayed ultimately at the cross of Christ to your spouse. You are a living, breathing expression of, of that love. And, and that is something that you can't do on your own. I mean, amen? Can you do that in your own power? Can you do that in your own strength? No, I can't. Not even close. And, and this is where God actually gives you his love. In spirit. We, we saw baptisms last week. Those two beautiful girls were baptized. And... One of the ways that baptism has been described throughout church history is being immersed in the Trinitarian community of love. That there is this eternal self-giving love between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we are immersed into that because we, and Jesus talks about this in John, we receive this love that is between the Father and the Son expressed through the Spirit. We're brought into that. So we don't generate this, we receive it, but it is given to us not simply to be hoarded, but to be, to be expressed, right? And this is what Jesus says. He says, God's invisible, nobody can see him, but how does he become visible to the world? This is what Jesus says. <laughs> when you love others, the invisible God becomes visible in this way. And, and there is this glory that comes to Christ because he's the one who's doing that. He's the one who's... Re- Ultimately, your marriage is about what? Paul says in Ephesians 5. A portrayal of this love between Christ and the church. And so you are, are focused on bringing glory to Christ by rightly displaying his love in that way. And this, this is something that requires a death to yourself. In fact, it requires death to yourself every day, all the time. If you are to love your spouse, and, and maybe you've checked out, let's check back in for just a moment. If you are to love your spouse in this way, the, the Greek concept of agape, which is self-giving love, right? Agape, this love of God that is self-giving because do we have anything to offer God? No, not that we love God, but that he loved us and gave himself. So agape is self-giving love. If we're invited to express that kind of love to our spouse, there are all kinds of ways we're going to have to die to sin and to selfishness. And, and this is where we have the opportunity to, to grow more like Christ. I thought I was a great guy until I get married. Anybody else have that experience? Right? All of a sudden, you see how selfish you are. And there is an opportunity there. There's one opportunity that runs from that. And there's another opportunity to recognize this as God's grace through your marriage to die to self and to live in the spirit, to grow more like Christ. And, and this is where I wanna, I wanna bring this together because I think all of this is, is, an aspect, is part of this, this framework. I drew two 
These are vines for a reason. Because what we have in, in these two vines, consider you, your spouse, as these two lives that are lived. If you are trying to draw your life from your spouse, are you trying to draw your life from the love of your spouse? How's that going to go? Is it possible for any human being to be the soil of your life? It's not. And you will, you will kill them and you'll, you'll destroy your relationship. There is no way they can bear that weight. Does it work if either one of you are in this spot? If the focus of your lives is on you and your selfishness or your spouse and their selfishness, how's that going to go? Is it going to go well and be a life of flourishing and joy? No, right? It's not. And, and this is where we have to draw from this inexhaustible source of the love of God in Christ, right? And so our marriage constantly is, is, is to be drawing us to our knees. The difficulty of this and the times that it's for better or worse, for sickness and in health, for the times that are worse and our sickness, that is really where our own limitations come into play. And, and the intent is that we would fall to our knees. The, the, the midday prayer that I've tried to cultivate is Jesus, allow me to join in your work in the world. Order this day in love, the rest of this day in love, for those you have given me to serve. I need to be reminded that that I am provided with a source that is greater than my love, the love of God in Christ. And he is providing that love so that I might express that love to others. And, and it is only through the, situa- the hard situations, the difficult situations, that you really get to that point. That you actually depend on his love. But when you are both drawing from that love and you are both growing towards Christ-likeness. This is your goal for both of your lives. Uh, C.S. Lewis talks about the future glory that when you see, let's just use your spouse in this instance, when you see your spouse, you don't see who they are right now, right? who they are at this moment in time, but you see their future glorious self in Christ. So you see who ultimately they are in Christ, who, who God is calling them to be. And, and your goal in your own life is to grow into Christ-likeness. And what you're praying for and, and leaning into and speaking truth and encouraging and loving towards in your spouse is that they would grow in Christ-likeness. And this trellis of marriage and serving and praying and reading scripture and fasting and whatever else it is, these are, are, are these efforts to earn God's love? No, right? That, you can't. You can't earn God's love. And, and you have to simply receive it. But these are part of this process of growing into Christ-likeness. And when you join together in this, what begins to happen is the vines overtwine. Now, for an actual vine, can the vine produce flowers or fruit? 
the vine in and of itself, can it produce flowers or fruit? No. (laughs) It is dependent on what? On the soil and the sun. But when it is rooted in good soil and it is growing towards the sun, we've got gardener in the house. What happens? What grows? Fruit. That's God's grace. (laughs) You can't do this on your own, but when you're rooted in God's love and you are growing towards Christ in this way, where you're seeking to order your life along these lines, the grace of God, uh, uh, Willard says, is like jet fuel, right? That this grace of God is provided for you because, because all of this comes together through your marriage and through the fruit of the Spirit, right, displayed in your relationship, and who at the end of the day does this bring glory to? Christ. I'm going to ask the band to to come up and close us, but this is where I believe we have to aim higher than our self-gratification or happiness, and we have to aim higher than the gratification or happiness of our, of our spouse. We have to, to order all of our lives and our love and, what, and, our, and our dreams and ambitions and hopes around bringing glory to Christ through our love for one another. And, and when we do that, guess what God does? That's where the kingdom of God is. <laughs> Right When we organize everything along these that's where the kingdom of God comes in and the grace of God is experienced. And, and he, because he wants, the father wants to glorify the son. He is motivated to glorify the son and the son is motivated to glorify the father. They're going to do that and that's the spirit's work. And, and the invitation is for us to join in that process. Right? It's not, it's, it's, it's that larger process of the glorification of, of Christ. And, and here's what I want to suggest. The song we're about to, fi- to sing again is that he's worthy of this. Because <laughs> it's not easy, right? It's, it's incredibly difficult. It's constantly dying to self. It's humiliating. It, and all of these things. And, and the only thing that can orient us towards a life of servant-hearted, self-giving love in this way is, is the glory of Christ. And so I want us to, to consider that he is worthy of that kind of a marriage and he is worthy of every part of our lives. Father, we thank you that you do not leave us on our own to try to figure out or will our way towards things like marriage, but that you have designed this perfectly and that you have provided for us everything that we need for life and godliness through Christ. And Lord, when we come to the end of ourselves, would we, would we believe that? Would we have faith that you really have provided us through your spirit within us everything that we need for life and godliness in our marriage and every other way? And so Lord, would we put aside the consumeristic focus on just getting our needs met And allow us to experience the the blessing of expressing your love and serving our spouse and serving the people around us. And And our desire is not just to have a happy marriage, although we believe that that comes through that. But our prayer and our desire is that our lives would bring glory to Christ. It's in his name we pray.
Thank you for listening to the Fairview Church Podcast. To find out more about our church, please visit us online at www.myfairview.org.